Mitchell. Look how it looks. Draped around the shoulders and soon to be around the sexy, gorgeous waist of Y2J. Finally, the Intercontinental Championship belt has been restored to the status and the level that it deserves, held by a tremendous technical wrestler and an extremely sassy individual in myself. Uh-uh. Tomorrow right here, let's do it on live TV. The champion. Hello, my name is Chris White and welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast where we are going back in the time machine to December of 1999 to bring you your final WWF episode of the year. Joining me for his first foray into all things WWF, we have Daniel DeWitt. Daniel, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for bringing me, bringing me along to the WWF after my sort of debut with uh, Mr. Russo in WCW. I'm sort of glad to be in sort of nicer grounds let's just say that yes yes certainly uh i mean not much better but i would say definitely better over on this side of the fence. yeah there, there are some things that um so we'll we'll cover that sort of maybe sort of smacked a little bit of mr russo's work even though he's not there anymore but but certainly i think wwf heading into the new millennium is a is a more prosperous place to be i think so our first port of call for the month is a few news items i'll just quickly run us through now so firstly we have we've all touched we've touched on this before but we've got the the feds ongoing troubles with their sponsors so as you know listener in november coca-cola dropped all the sponsorships and the problems continued and rolled on into december so there's now a boycott of sponsors boycotting the wwf these include the u.s army the u.s air force and at&t um this response from the Fed from the very top, uh, Vince McMahon in the Wall Street Journal was to loudly announce that they would tone down their product. Vince said in the Wall Street Journal that you will see less aggression, less colourful language, less sexuality, and some of the more controversial characters may not appear on a regular basis on SmackDown. I don't really know why he had to make the distinction of on SmackDown. So are we just expecting a toned down of product on SmackDown rather than... I- Raw? Yeah. Well, I'm guessing the on SmackDown line was because was it, it SmackDown sort of more sort of, is it out on sort of network TV, so more homes, more things like that. So I'm guessing if they see that they keep SmackDown PG, whereas if Raw sort of floats between the PG TV 14 range that it generally does, they can still get away with some things. But I guess more eyes will be on SmackDown, even though it's even though Raw is still the flagship show. So I'm guessing that's that's why he's put that little caveat in that we won't that we're turning we're turning things down on SmackDown, but we might still keep Raw the way it is. It's just an interesting comment to make. I think that was right at the beginning of the month, and I mean we'll touch on some of the goings on, uh, particularly on the pay per view uh, after a women's match that uh, you can see this toning down and less mm. sexuality certainly doesn't stretch to. Uh, the Armageddon pay-per-view, but uh, more on that when we uh, <laughs> cover on the show. Also this month, uh, it is possible, um, I mean, very unlikely, uh, given the angle he ran after the so-called retirement, uh, but we may have seen the last of Mankind in the WWF. Um, there's no secret that since returning from double knee surgery uh, and getting his one-day title uh, t- title run, he hasn't really performed uh, near his best it's not at his uh he hasn't really 
lived up to his former capabilities but uh foley himself has been very upfront about sort of this declining ability just sort of injuries accumulative damage across the years and it's all built up and uh foley said himself that he'd probably not much not last much further than the end of this year um he said uh publicly that he didn't want to use the word retirement because he doesn't want to be one of those wrestlers who comes out of retirement all the time and things like that uh, but it's said that he's been given a lot of control in writing out how his full-time career comes to an end. And uh, we'll touch on it when we get there chronologically. But on the 27th of December, he was fired from the WWF after losing a pink slip on a pole match to The Rock. It remains to be seen if this is really the end of Mick Foley as a full-time member of the roster. But we will keep you posted on all developments in the new year. Some more minor news for the month. Um WWF announced the hiring of Jonathan Coachman, who's a, uh, a reasonably famous sportscaster from KMBC in Kansas. Uh, he's the newest member of the broadcast team, and he'll be starting regularly in the new year. This week is a week of joyous celebration. So now, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Deep Generation X, proudly brings to you no 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 not only is he the game not only is he our faithful leader but he is the latest member of the mcmahon family triple h hunter hurst helmsley oh no what an introduction no chance wait a minute king Got you some stuff. We got we put our heads together and got you a few things. Look at this. First of all, this is your great family portrait. Greatest family portrait. You guys are too much. I mean, went to all the trouble to get me put in the family portrait. How nice. You know, I never thought anybody could actually have a bigger head than Vince. You guys are, look at all these gifts. Hey, you guys, people have to admit, this is the greatest group of guys in the world. Two toasters? I could never heat up that many buns at once. You got, oh, look. Look at Proctor Silex, pretty good model right here. Proctor Silex? 
Iron. You're the best. I'll put it up here. Right. Here, this is from me. This is from me. This is this is good. This is, this is you. You picked this out yourself. Yes. What is it? Huh? What, what is, is it? It's beautiful. This will be good. It's lingerie. Oh yeah. How about that? Uh oh. This is ridiculous. Is that even your size? <laughs> I don't think that's gonna fit me. Well, I, I don't know. It looked great on me. Are these panties crotchless? Yeah, I think so. Hey, well, I'm kind of bummed out because I guess you and I, we had the same idea. But, I, you know, here it is, man, with well, all my love. Think alike. You know, great. It'll look great on her. I'll tell you that right now. What is this, lingerie? Well, just open it and see, man. There's nothing in here. Exactly. <laughs> that one's for me. I'm a little getting a little tore up right now. That one's. Go ahead and open it. It's a front row ticket. It's a front row seat. Look, right there, front row center, Armageddon for Stephanie so that your lovely bride can watch you beat the fire out of her father. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Come on. <laughs> now, wow. see, that just proves it. Once and for all, you guys, you're not only the greatest, you're the most thoughtful friends a guy can have. A front row ticket. Pretty much just like where this moron is sitting, right here. Ah. Nice hair, by the way, you putz. A front row ticket for my beautiful wife to sit up close and watch her daddy, my father-in-law, get the living crap kicked out of him by me. And I'll tell you what, as great as this gift is, I'm going to up the ante just a little bit and make this present that much better because seeing as how I've got this newfound family stroke and all around here, I'm going to go ahead and make this match between the honcho and myself anything goes. What? Falls count anywhere. We can fight anywhere. We can do anything we want. Weapons, it does not matter. So the reality of it is, Vince, Dad, oh. at Armageddon, your little baby is going to sit front row center and watch me beat you until you can't stand up. So, with the news done, we'll uh, talk about some of the bigger stuff before we get to the Armageddon pay-per-view, which was quite early in the month, the 12th of December. So, as you may remember, we closed last month with Triple H crashing the Test Stephanie wedding, revealing that he had, in fact, already married Stephanie against her will in Las Vegas. Uh, On the first SmackDown of the month opened with Steph taking full responsibility for what happened and she added that she would never forgive Triple H for wrecking her life. She asked Vince and Shane to join her in the ring and told them that she's got herself into the problem and that she would get herself out of it. She made a family promise that they'd let her 
her handled the situation in her own way, and Shane and Vince both begrudgingly agreed. Later, DX cut a promo and introduced the newest member of the McMahon family, Triple H. Stephanie's legal husband came out to Vince McMahon's No Chance in Hell theme, and he was wearing a Vince McMahon mask. He tore off the mask but didn't take off a wedding ring. X-Pac and the Outlaws gave him a few gifts, including a, a McMahon family portrait with Triple H pasted in. Hunter also announced on the show that the main event of Armageddon would be Triple H versus Vince McMahon in a no holds barred match. And the following week, the stipulation on Raw was added that if Vince could manage to beat Hunter, the marriage would be annulled. But if Triple H won, then Vince would have to grant him a WWF championship shot. So, Daniel, uh, I mean, I know the wedding was last month, but it's all really very relevant into the build of Armageddon. So what did you make of this storyline with Triple H and Vince and sort of how it's progressed through the end of November into December with the wedding? And now we've got our big main event, the final pay-per-view of the year, and it's Vince McMahon in a no-hold-bars match against Triple H. I mean, it's been odd sort of the past few months with the, with sort of face-fiery Vince sort of coming, coming through. And then this, I guess it's sort of almost the culmination of it with... Like big st- strong uh, hero Vince versus the evil Triple H, and then we have a the soap opera sort of turn of the wedding. So, kind of, in, I'm interested to see. I mean, Triple H is clearly sort of gunning and sort of hitting that sort of top heel um, mark, and I guess top face at the moment would be say Rock or or Mick or something like that. But I guess above all of those is is Mr. McMahon as in this sort of weird face role of defending his family honor so um yeah interested certainly but um yeah i say when we can come to sort of cover the the match of them in the main event main event at armageddon um i was kind of looking forward to it weird, weirdly just to see how how it would all play out yeah it's interesting because i think it's a testament to vince mcmahon the performer that like you don't have to go too far back and he was seemingly willing to have his daughter sacrificed in the higher power angle <laughs> and all of this and 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 now he's sort of the the top baby face as the rock's kind of been out of the i know he was in the the match at survivor series but the rock hasn't really felt like the main event baby face guy the focal point has been vince in a really weird way and uh it's interesting that neither of us, <laughs> I think it's with good reason, neither of us neither of us mentioned the babyface WWF champion, The Big Show. Like, because well, he, he's just, I mean, the listeners will have heard my thoughts last thought. month, but he, he he doesn't feel like he's on that level at all. <laughs> no, not really, no. I mean, by all means, sort of on paper, someone that big should be, um, especially if you go by the sort of edict that Vince likes big big men um he should be sort of a headliner and things like that but just has been I, I think sort of when we cover cover Armageddon sort of further I've got a note down that his match with, with the boss man is a match for, uh, because it's like a grudge match in a way not for the title that just happens to be something that's also existing I'll probably make the point a few times on the show because because but i think it's a, it's a very valid point that consistently needs to be driven home it still makes absolutely no sense to me that the third man added to the well the the man added to the main event at survivor series last month wasn't kane like you could have the big show boss man on the middle 
in the middle of Armageddon as that grudge match, they had a feud. It was a comedy, weird, wacky mid-card feud mm. that involved a funeral and caskets being driven away and all this nonsense. Kane is actively feuding with DX members on Survivor Series, ran an angle which involved Triple H and like a post-match beatdown. And like you've got a cage match on this show. You could have done X-Pac Kane for the for the title on this show. That would have given it more value. And you've got months worth of storyline that's certainly less silly than the big show boss man stuff. And you could have you could have basically done everything that's happened. Um, you, <laughs> so little needs to change. Oh, exactly. so much more makes sense if you just put Kane in that spot. Yeah. Why wouldn't you have Kane as the WF champion? I mean, what he had the belt for a, a a day eighteen months ago. But I mean, again, if if you're going with want to have a, a monster face as a as a champion rather than Big Show, Kane sort of perfect. And as you say, he's been feuding with DX pretty much the whole year, really, if you think about it, in different guises. Ideal. Yeah. And then yeah, why not Kane expect for the title in in the in the cage match? Nothing nothing would change really. Same same sort of storyline just so happens that but and then you maybe the title was worth worth more in that respect because because you've got someone like like kane who's been established near that top for a while rather than the big show who's come in come in sort of as the top sort of kind of henchman hasn't didn't really do too much with the summer bar working with the undertaker and then just all of a sudden he's the he's the champion now of like i say out of thin air and it just it would have been a much easier way to pivot to Triple H going back for the title again if it's Kane mm. because X-Pac has been feuding with one of DX and been involved with Triple H and had angles and beatdowns and stuff and like they've they've got a rivalry in place because of the fact that Kane has been feuding with DX like and it's not it's not hard to have Triple H go for the title with Kane but you've already got some bad blood there but with the big show, it just feels very shoehorned in, and uh, I, I will I will consistently make that point that <laughs> Kane should have been the WWF champion coming out of Survivor Series, but there we go, too little, too late. Uh, but yeah. With that, I think it's time for us to get to Armageddon, as I say, very early in the month. So Daniel, could you kindly kick us off with the results of the show? Certainly. So. Battle Royal to determine the number one contenders for the WWF tag team. Uh, Champions won by the Acolytes, last eliminating the Hardy Boys. Um, various teams in there we can go through. Godfather Mark Henry, Headbangers, Edge and Christian, Dudleys, Mean Street Posse and Too Cool. So decent throughout. Um, secondly, Kurt Angle defeated Steve Blackman. Then we had the Evening pool, evening Gown Pool match for the women's title, won by Miss Kitty, defeating BB, Ivory and Jacqueline. Next, Tag team match, the Hollies defeated Rikishi and Viscera. Then for the European title, we had a triple threat match, with Val Venus defeating Bulldog and Dido Brown to becoming the champion. Then, as we um, mentioned earlier, the Steel Cage match, Kane defeating X-Pac. Then for the Intercontinental champion, Championship, Chris Jericho defeated China to, to win the title. And then WWF Tag Team Championship match, Rock and Sock defeating New Age Outlaws just by DQ, so Outlaws keep the belts. Then our WWF Championship match, Big Show versus Big Boss Man. Big Show picking up the win there. And finally, Triple H defeating Mr. McMahon in a no-holds-barred match, therefore becoming the number one contender for the WWF Championship, and the marriage is still intact. Thank you very much. Uh, what did you make overall of this show? Um, 
overall, I, I, I thought it's pretty good. I mean, some some sort of interesting decisions, certainly in terms of in terms of booking. But um, but yeah, I I kind of I kind of enjoyed it. Kind of quite easy to watch matches, but on the whole, quite short though. I thought some maybe should have had a bit more time. One match, let's just say the, the main event had maybe too much time. You could have easily taken taken ten minutes, if not more, off that and added it to some other matches. But yeah, so having those sort of quick matches made it sort of seem fast paced and so quite easy to watch overall. Yeah, I I I didn't hate the show or, or even particularly dislike it watching it. And then I read back over my notes this morning and they're all quite negative. Um, yeah, I, 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 found, I found that too. I, I, I found that I was not sort of putting too many positives in. Then again, not sort of too many hate hatred things like sort of I didn't like this didn't like this but more of sort of a oh that's okay type type thought to it all yeah it was, it was a kind of end of year like just get towards the new year I guess kind of thing it's almost like a right we had the big angle at Survivor Series with Austin um new champion and whatnot and then we've got this one big angle with Triple H but that's kind of all the kind of angle we really had it was just let's carry it on yeah, I feel like I may have been worn down by the quality of the pay-per-views this year, but <laughs> I I I had like really low expectations. When you look at the card, it's it's not it's not great um, to put mildly. And I think I think even the the bad matches on this show probably weren't any worse than you're expecting. And when you don't get like terrible boring wrestling that's like when you're not expecting it like that hits you harder than when you're you're thinking meh it's a bit average but then it is a bit average and you're like yeah that was fine like it was what i expected that rather than an overwhelming negative of a match maybe you're looking forward to and then you get a dud so maybe it's just the this show benefited from the overall quality of the pay-per-views this year being a poor year um yeah, and, but but true. it felt like this was greater than the sum of its parts. Um, by no means a, a great show, but um, there was enough here that I enjoyed my viewing experience certainly a lot more than I have the, a lot of the pay per views this year. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think it is something I would sort of go out to say to everyone. Oh, you absolutely have to watch this whole pay per view start to finish. But there's certainly some highlights within, so I'd certainly say to people go and watch this one or. or the other match but yeah like i said i would i would also say there's nothing that you have absolutely have to sort of run away and avoid even like say the, the worst matches as i mentioned the, the match times aren't that long so anything that's not your not for your fancy doesn't last long enough for you to really hate it that much you can just take it for it is move on and then the next match will probably be something you like so we kick things off with a 16-man tag team battle royal, with our participants being uh, the Dudley Boys, um, Edge and Christian, the Headbangers, uh, the Hardy Brothers, uh, the Mean Street Posse, the Acolytes, Too Cool, and the Godfather and Mark Henry. The rules here, uh, the winning team will receive tag team title shot at the Royal Rumble, and uh, when one member of a team is eliminated, the whole team is gone. So... Um, before the match starts officially the Dudleys and Edge and Christian brawl a bit before everyone comes out but it's eventually broken up the match is underway and let me tell you we very much have a standard battle 
Royal. So I'm not going to go into spot for spot detail <laughs> here because it's just impossible. Um, Rodney got eliminated quite early on, but Joey Abs replaced him and the referees missed it. So uh, Dimitri Posse is still in. They switch again after Joey goes out, but this time they are caught cool and they are the first team officially eliminated. The headbangers go next and then the acolytes uh, team up to dump out Mark Henry. Edge and Christian battle with Too Cool and win out, eliminating them. And the final four teams go at it as the Dudleys eliminate Edge and Christian. The Hardys take a beating from the remaining heel teams. Jeff eats a 3D, but Matt sneaks out and dumps Devon out. Uh, Matt and Bradshaw then brawl, with, but both of them go over at the same time, leaving Jeff and Farouk to fight. The officials can't make a decision, so he sends Bradshaw and Matt back in. Farouk gets sent over, and the ref misses it again. So uh, Bradshaw hangs on for dear life, but Jeff gets hit with a dominator. Jeff then charges at Farouk, who... Uh, tosses Jeff over and out of the ring and the Acolytes are your winners and will get a title shot at the Rumble. What did you make of this? Uh, yeah, as you say, sort of standard sort of kind of generic battle rule, no real sort of big spots until we get to the end. Um, yeah, it, it was fine. It kind of goes to show that there's sort of plenty of tag, uh, tag teams around, which sort of makes me think that Going forward in the sort of tag team division, we should have a few good matches coming up. Coming up, but yeah, it, it, it was what it was. I kind of didn't really like the constant false finishes at, at the end. Could have just stuck with one. But um, yeah, I'm happy with. I'm sort of kind of expected the acolytes win. Although sort of going into, it, I was thinking maybe Edge Christian or the Hardys might win, considering they've had sort of the momentum coming through. But but acolytes winning kind of makes sense. Them them versus whoever's the champions by survivor series or uh, royal rumble sorry should be should be worth seeing i hope yeah i i, I do think this match is just it, it shows very much what we've said throughout the year that the wwf clearly has put some effort in throughout 1999 to turn the tag division around from what was in a sorry state this time a year ago to a more promising division and one of the highlights of most pay-per-views obviously probably can't say that this time but they had a battle royal rather than a a tag team match but we've had some my personal wwf match of the year would be that the, the no mercy ladder match and the hardys were really over here the crowd were really into them um obviously they benefit from being in the opener but um yeah I, the result somewhat puzzling but i think obviously you can do the Hardys, um, the, the Dudleys and Jedge and Christian can all carry on sort of feuding and having matches with each other. If you want the Acolytes to go up against the Outlaws at the Rumble, I, I guess that makes sense. Um, I don't really have many complaints here. I do agree with you a few too many false finishes. I think they went to the well of having someone be eliminated, but the ref miss it. Uh, a few too many times here um i don't think you need to do that spot four or five times in like an eight minute battle royal i think once or twice would have been plenty but yeah on the whole a pretty standard but but absolutely fine battle royal 
Backstage, Kurt Angle bragged to Lillian, Gar- Lillian Garcia about uh, still being undefeated in the WWF despite losing a tag match to the Dudleys on SmackDown. According to Angle, the loss was all Steve Blackman's fault, and since it was the lethal weapon who ate the pin, Kurt's record stayed unblemished. We have Angle versus Blackman up next as Kurt seeks some revenge for this. Uh, we're underway quickly, and Blackman hammers away to start, but misses a middle rope splash. Angle hits a nice-looking drop kick, goes up top and tries a moonsault, which misses, and Blackman grabs a muta lock. Uh, they're back up, and Angle hits a DDT, and this is where we get our first boring chant of the match. Blackman sends him into the steps, but gets suplexed back inside. Uh Angle is getting really annoyed at the Angle Sucks chance and walks into a drop drop toe hold into the middle buckle. He blocks a pump slash and rolls Blackman up for two before hitting a German suplex, which is enough for the three just before the seven-minute mark. Uh, What did you make of Kurt Angle's second pay-per-view match? Yeah, I I thought it was really good, um, considering how sort of, yeah, early into his career he is. the, the boring chance I didn't quite get. I mean, I know that we've been having him for the past couple of weeks, usually when Kurt does his sort of Olympic style wrestling, but he didn't really do that much in this. In that show. So I think they were just chanting boring because that's kind of what we do now when we see a Kurt Angle match. So didn't really see much into that. Um, decent, decent match. Like I say, nothing too special. Um, Kurt kind of hasn't really got a finish I suppose it's such the German suplex seems sort of fine kind of works with the Olympic style sort of throw I guess and then um, Steve Blackman getting his heat back at the end with with a weapon attack does that mean we're going to see the match again maybe maybe it'll be a, a hardcore match or something maybe take out of his comfort zone I guess a bit that'd be interesting but yeah match was, was fine no real sort of highlights or lowlights either way yeah, I think it's clear Angle's still trying to find his rhythm and find his place, but I've, he's definitely shown enough on the mic and in the ring within the few matches he has had that they could have something with him. Um, I think the boring chants were maybe a little harsh, but not completely uh, unwarranted. But um, I think patience is needed with Angle because... He looks good. He needs to define his moveset more. He needs to... The confidence he come, has on the mic is excellent. And I think when that translates to his in-ring work with experience, that's the only real way to get that. Um, I think he could be something... Maybe not special. Maybe that's overstating it. But he could definitely be... Uh, useful to the wwf and uh, i really hope he can figure it out because he he just he seems good and i I think they they did well not going down the lazy patriotic route of having him as this sort of like just generic american hero babyface and i think having the olympic hero as this sort of cocky arrogant why are you booing me heel um bodes better for him as a character than the babyface route which i think would have been sort of almost run its course by now entirely in terms of the wrestling landscape we have in 1999 certainly i i think we if they'd start if they'd start him as as a yeah patriotic face we probably could have got down the 
down the rock route of the sort of die die chance almost in terms of him being forced down our throats as some sort of sort of yeah patriotic sort of white meat sort of baby face them going with the why aren't I baby face almost role as you say much better and yeah Kurt's, Kurt's work on the mic has been been sort of fantastic considering like you say like we said sort of very early on in his career sort of all, very good foundations to start off with and yeah could certainly see him sort of moving up through the card sort of at a decent pace sort of through next year I think then maybe not main eventing or at any point next year but certainly that sort of upper intercontinental sort of Chris Jericho and above kind of range is certainly achievable with with that mic skills and then the foundations he's built on already yeah one to watch as we move into the new millennium mm. that is for sure uh, next up, um, quite the opposite, <laughs> we have the evening gown pool match for the WWF women's title. Uh, Moolah and May are our guest referees, and uh, basically the rule here is that the last one wearing their evening gown is the winner. <sighs> I'm sick of this. Everyone teams up on Jacqueline and eliminates her early. BB, who to be quite honest, looks like she's having trouble staying in her evening gown on her own, uh, tries to fend off Kitty and Ivory. Uh, eventually, uh, they strip her, but Ivory wants to go one further and tear off her bra. Kitty makes a save to huge heel heat. Kitty then tries to strangle Ivory with BB evening gown, and Kitty rips off Ivory's gown to pick up the women's title before the three-minute mark. I'm not even going to rate this as a match because it wasn't a match. It was just women trying to undress each other in a pool. Uh, Kitty isn't content with just winning the belt. She chooses to celebrate by taking her top off. Sergeant Slaughter covers her with a towel after only a brief glimpse. Mae Young says she doesn't want the people to be disappointed, so she starts to strip. Slaughter returns and drags her off under a towel too. What did you make of all of that? This was a championship match. Yeah, that's the thing. It wasn't. It it wasn't just have some of the women out there for this, and then we have a women's title match later on in the evening. No, this had to be the ma- the women's match of well, match of of the evening. And yeah, notes I've got down: evening gown in a pool match. I mean, gimmick on a gimmick. It, Russo's still here. And all, but yeah. Mm, I, yeah, I did make some notes for this, but I say it was just a case of, I don't know, them fulfilling their own fantasies of we want to see women in less clothes as possible, and why not put the women's title in, on them on the line at the same time just to get that out of the way. Um, what what more else can we really say? One note I did put is that when Kitty came out and China's music played. I think the crowd popped, thinking, "Ah, oh, maybe China's involved in this match." But, but no, it was the cat, and but she's the champion now, so hooray! <laughs> yeah, honestly, I am so sick of these women matches on these pay-per-views. They're so bad, and they have been for months now. And every time I think it can't get worse, it can't get worse. It does. This was this is about as bad as it gets. But I mean. It wasn't really a wrestling match, so I, I think that saves it from being fought off as badly as the matches at like No Mercy or even Survivor Series in the match um, uh, 
the five on five match that wasn't an elimination, oh, yeah. thank God. Um, yeah, I just in my notes I just put real concerted effort to tone things down then with the the post match nudity. <laughs> Um, just an absolute dud, but I have to say, like, obviously the match itself was, was garbage, um, but, I mean, the post-match stuff with Slaughter uh, covering Kitty and then May saying she doesn't want the crowd to be disappointed, so she starts to strip too, like, that, that was re- that was pretty funny, like, fair enough, that, 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 that warranted a chuckle from me, but it isn't, that doesn't justify how bad uh, things have been with the WWF women's title and no. WWF women's division uh, in the latter half, well, latter third, really, of this year. Um, it, it really seems to have got a lot worse since uh, Russo left the company. Um, they yeah. really accelerated it's, the it's treatment kind of, of the women. odd that we sort of bemoaned sort of Russo for the sort of poor women's matches. But yeah, as you say, it still it still continues. I mean, if you absolutely had to have this in a pool evening gown match, you could have, I don't know what, Kitty, BB, Terry and someone else. And then later in the evening, you have Irie versus Jacqueline in an actual match. That would have been nice, but never mind. Yeah, it's basically anyone that isn't China is treated in this same way. And it is, it must be so disheartening for people like Ivory and just, I don't know how they have the willpower to continue coming into work every day to know that this is what this is what they're going to be doing like it must be so so disheartening um well the sad and, thing is where else do you go because um wcw doesn't have a women's division and i, I haven't really looked on the independence if there's any any sort of real strength in women's wrestling i'm no. going to hazard a guess at no so i mean no. you may have I guess that for them, they may as well sort of stay there, do what do what's required, and at least they're getting some sort of paycheck. Yeah, I mean, like get paid while while they can, I guess. But it's just this is uh this, this is not the, the the WWF Women's Division and the Women's Title is is the bane of my <laughs> viewing uh, in the same way the tag division was a year ago. And I think I'll leave it at that. Um, next up, we have the Hollies taking on the team of Rikishi Fatu and Viscera. Uh, before we get started, R- Rikishi cut quite a funny promo backstage. He said he's tired of the Hollies trying to make a name uh, off, name for themselves off of the big men. And tonight he's going to crush them. He then claimed that he represented all of the fat, healthy people, which I quite enjoyed. So we're underway and Rikishi squashes Crash to block a sunset flip. Uh, Hardcore breaks up a bonsai drop and before Viscera cleans house where well, he doesn't seem to like his tag partner too much and we seem to have some bad blood between the two of them. Hardcore avoids an avalanche and hits a missile drop kick. Crash tries another sunset flip this time on Viscera but it has much the same result with him ending up crushed. Rikishi tags in he hits a cutter before no-selling a DDT that sets up a Rikishi driver. Viscera accidentally hits him with a spinning wheel kick, though, and Hardcore takes advantage to get the pin in the fourth minute of the match. After the match, Rikishi and Viscera brawl around the outside of the ring. What did you make of this? Uh, it was fine. So my sort of note, main note on this is, or a couple of questions, really. 
why the Hollies weren't in the battle royal at the start of the night, that would have kind of made a bit more sense. And rather than having this match, I sort of thought, why didn't have they have this match on on Raw, and then you can lead to Rikishi versus Viscera tonight, or at the pay per view instead, because clearly there was some sort of feud going on there. I would have probably preferred to see see that over over this. Not not a bad match in, in respect, but I just didn't see why it had to be at the pay-per-view why we could have just had this earlier in the week or something um good action though i mean big versus small always sort of is interesting to watch and i thought sort of all members of the match were quite good but yeah i say i think i probably would have preferred to see rikishi versus viscera as weird as that sounds me me saying that does sound weird. I, I mean, who's? I, I can't believe I'm hearing someone clamour for a Viscera singles match. But I get what you mean. I mean, because mm. because my notes read exactly this. Who felt that this match belonged on a pay per view? This did nothing for anyone, and the crowd didn't care. They popped for a couple of Rikishi spots. Um, like, but like, it's a it's a new new character like doing like some funny comedy spots like. You're gonna get a pop, like it's mm. this inoffensive comedy stuff. It's not terrible, but this this match just felt like a dud. And yeah, I I don't know why it was here. My, I mean, the highlight of the whole thing is the old the old super heavyweight gimmick Finkel on on the mic. Yeah, uh, when they're coming out, a, a combined weight of allegedly 800 pounds. So always gonna get a pop from me for that one. But I mean, yeah, the match itself just felt like nothing, and it. I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but maybe it could have done with a bit more time because on paper, I, I want to see Viscera wrestle as little as possible. Um, true, but, true. But, but um, it probably thing, would have helped this match to have a little bit more than four minutes. Yeah, and also Rikishi sort of being the, the, the quote-unquote newcomer, I know it's a new gimmick but, and he's not really a newcomer, but surely he w- then would, should win irrespective of and that this return okay shouldn't have shouldn't really have happened hence why yeah i thought maybe rikishi versus visha visha at the pay-per-view with rikishi going over quite comfortably would have been again it only needs to be five minutes rikishi's kind of inserting his dominance as the new big man i guess but um yeah why the hollies go over i don't know because then it's not like they're going to be number one contenders because i've got the acolytes already in, in that slot so just yeah a big sort of why, really? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Like you got the uh, the 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 new coming, like well, the new character um, yes. involved, and I always think you want to start people off strong as the the first pay per view for the new character. Give them a win, or at the very least, if their team is going to lose, don't let them be the one that takes the pinfall. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, it's hard to be mad at a four minute match that quite frankly, uh, didn't have a hell of a lot wrong with it. Um, no. It, it was I, pointless. It didn't really do a lot for anyone involved. The Hollies, again, you're right to point out, why weren't they in the Battle Royal? Um, but ultimately, an inoffensive, straight down the middle, bang average match. Yeah, exactly. Could, could have been on TV, could have been anywhere. Just happened to be on Armageddon. So we move on to a triple threat match for the WWF European Championship with the British Bulldog defending against Val Venus and D'Lo Brown. 
Bulldog comes out with a Mean Street posse, but Teddy Long ejects them because uh, they'd previously broken up a number one contenders match between Val and D'Lo, uh, which is clearly backfired because now Bulldog has to face both guys. Uh, D'Lo wipes out both of his opponents with his over-the-top tope early on before he blows a springboard move and Val takes over. He beats D'Lo down and drags Bulldog back in. Now D'Lo and Val Venus, uh, they team up to drop Bulldog right on his head with a messed up hip toss that looks really, really nasty. Bulldog bails and uh, lets Val and D'Lo fight it out for a while. Uh, he waits for Val to cover, a bit yanks him out of the ring. He hits the power slam, but D'Lo hits with, breaks out with a forearm. Uh, D'Lo hits his frog splash, only for Val to uh, hit the money shot on him before pinning Bulldog to win the gold. So we've got a title change. Val Venus, our new European champion. What did you make of the match? And uh, just the whole thing. I, <laughs> I, I thought I thought it was okay. Um, triple threat matches in kind of generally suffer from the one man out. Let's have a one on one. Then sort of take turns in that respect. But this was sort of fine. I think there were all three in the ring for enough of the match to, for it to sort of not suffer from that too much. And I thought the finish was really good, having the uh, frog splash then with the money shot over, sort of on the top of that. It's a good way to sort of end it rather than just a sneaky sort of roll up while one person's out of the ring. Actually, to have all three sort of involved in at the finish was was pretty good. And so sad to me, sad to me to say, but I'm glad to see uh, the title off the bulldog. Bulldog since his return not really looked good, and sort of almost kind of sad to see him there. Really, which he was in sort of better shape and to a higher in a better position on the card but but sort of glad to see uh val venus and Dilo in, in a match together again because i think it was was it last SummerSlam they had a pretty decent match for either the european or intercontinental title so yeah i think that match was actually sort of pretty good even sort of with the bulldog not being at his best yeah i mean there wasn't much chemistry or story here but i think considering all three guys are pretty much at the tail end of pushes or just not in a push or yeah, not, not recently having been pushed. Um, this match was probably better than it had any right to be. I, I thought it was a tad long um, afterwards when I saw the time was around eight minutes. So I thought, Oh my God, it felt like it was twice that, like <laughs> it dragged in places. Um, there was a few sloppy moments in there, but I think generally you get that sometimes with triple threat matches, unless they're really sort of choreographed and nailed down. You do get tend to get a bit of sloppiness here or there, but that hip toss looked really nasty. They just, I don't know what happened, They, but if Bulldog didn't go upright or if they just didn't. Yeah, I think I think I think maybe didn't over didn't rotate enough, and he sort of just kind of kind of took it sort of yeah top of shoulders neck first neck yeah basically just went neck first didn't look like didn't look like he sort of suffered from it going forward. So hopefully, I guess I guess with David having a neck the big as big as he does, kind of kind of can almost take a couple of those every now and again. I guess, but you wouldn't want to see it too often. But yeah, like I say, he carried on the match quite well. Um. And yeah, I, I, just going going back, I think so. We mentioned Dilo's huge sort of dive, considering he's what two fifty, two sixty. Not exactly a hardy boy, is he? And shows maybe he should be sort of pushed a bit more. But we're going with Valvinus with the European title for now. 
maybe him and Dilo will feud over this going forward. Wouldn't mind seeing those two having one-on-one matches in the next sort of month or so. Yeah, and I think Delo's one of those guys that just perennially, I think there's someone every month. If he's on a pay-per-view, even if the match is average, the gist is always the match was bad or average, but Delo was good. And like he's one of those yeah. guys that I do think he often over delivers and overperforms in terms of you, you get more out of a Delo match than you expect. And I don't know what the company doesn't see in him that pretty much every contributor on this show does. Um, but I think he does deserve to be slightly higher up the card than he, than he has been. He's been languishing around basically European title level for what feels like forever. Um, so yeah, I think a, a couple of singles matches and I think he's, he's definitely good enough. Like, Delo Jericho, um, that would be that would be a match I'd be interested in seeing, Certainly, like yeah. uh, intercontinental title level stuff like that, and maybe maybe there is one last hurrah in there for Delo for him to get more of a upper mid card push than this sort of lower mid card bottom of the barrel um, stuff with the European well, title. Yeah, certainly maybe even sort of uh, intermingling with sort of the DX sort of faction if it's going to be sort of DX at the top holding everyone down maybe he can sort of be one of these guys maybe with Jericho with even sort of putting him, put him back maybe with The Rock or something just elevate him in a way you could have like the Outlaws versus The Rock and, and, and D-Lo just to give D-Lo sort of that, that sort of elevation which he sort of thoroughly deserves as we've said sort of for the past year or so so moving on, we have a steel cage match between Kane and X-Pac. Um, X-Pac uh, has a promo backstage uh, in which he tells us that the rules of the cage match have changed. Kane can only win via pinfall, but X-Pac can win via pinfall or by escaping the cage. Um, little cool visual here with Kane's pyre on top of the cage. Looked really good. Um, for some reason, before the match is officially underway, uh, X-Pac goes straight after Tori. Uh, drawing Kane over, and uh, he starts the beating in a hurry. Um, a bell shot to the head cuts Kane off, though, and X-Pac, who runs into the cage, which doesn't um, seem to be the best idea, uh, they get inside, and uh, eventually, and Lawl is just making more jokes constantly, uh, t- uh, JR seems to lose, lose his call with it, actually here and uh here we have jr says the word penis on commentary which let me tell you the king absolutely loved Kane, almost seven feet tall still over 300 pounds huge size and strength advantage over xbox well not everywhere huge size and strength well you get away from all this these penis innuendos <laughs> that's what they're going at jr you said penis Shots to the face have uh, no effect, so Kane hits a, a gorilla press to take him down. Uh, Kane gets sent into the cage, and a spin wheel kick gives X-Pac a breather. A chokeslam is countered by uh, X-Pac uh, crotching um, Kane, and it's followed by a guillotine leg drop, which gets two. X-Pac goes up again and for some reason dives right at Kane, even after he sat up. That turns him a few whips into the cage, but here are the new Age Outlaws with bolt cutters. A gun slams the door on Kane's head and a chair is thrown inside. The X-Factor onto a chair gets two and it's time for some handcuffs. Kane gets cuffed to the ropes and a chair to the head takes him down again. Tori comes in and pulls X-Pac off the ropes, so he spits in her face and hits her with the X-Factor. 
That's enough for Kane to uh, use the chair to hit X-Pac and take him down, followed by breaking the handcuffs. Kane slips out of the cage and catches X-Pac as he is on his way down to the floor. Uh, he tosses him back inside. Here's a clothesline from the top of the cage, which looked absolutely awesome, followed by a tombstone, which is enough for the free count. And Kane is our winner. He should be our retaining WWF champion. Uh, I told you I'd get it in there again. What did you make of this? Well, yeah, exactly. If this was the the world title match, what a great world title match we would have just seen. Because, yeah, this this was really, really good. Um I'm always a fan of, sort of the, the big man versus the, the small man and sort of what two better big and small men to have than Kane and X-Pac at the moment. Great work all, all the way through. Thought the sort of the one sort of thing, niggling thing in the back of my mind was th- those X-Pac stipulations that he changed. Why would you not make it that Kane has to climb all the way over the top and X-Pac come in by pinfall? Because surely getting Kane to climb all the way over and out would be much harder than for Kane to win by pin. Kind of a bit of a sort of dumb heel move on Xbox part I guess um, other things like the door was wide open could have Xbox just not walked out at any point when after the outlaws interfered but those are like I say very minor niggles from what was a really really good match and yeah that that clothesline from the top could have gone wrong in so many ways but sort of picture perfect and yeah tombstone for the win ideal um, yeah like I say just as you mentioned I just wish this was, was the title match that's all I was missing for it yeah, one of the better Kane single ma- singles matches from him in quite a long time. Um, I I kind of liked the stip changes, whether they made sense or not, um, because I thought the way um, Kane was able to sort of escape the cage just to prevent X-Pac from winning was creative. Like, True. They're, they're, they're more unique spots than you'd get from your average cage match of just Someone climbs the other one, pulls him down. Someone climbs the other, pulls him down. I know there can be a lot more psychology to it than that, but this was just a different spin that we haven't necessarily seen before. Uh, the flying clothesline spot from the cage was the first thing all show that felt like a really big deal. And in the end, X-Pac got his comeuppance. Yeah, I thought I really liked it. And it, I thought it made Kane look like a monster. And he, I mean, I, I'm not even a massive Kane fan, but like everything in the storyline would have made sense for him to have been in that main event at Survivor Series, win the belt, defend it here, and then you've got the DX stuff and Hunter and uh, Hunter and Steph later in the month that you can pit um, Triple H and Kane right against each other for the belt, and that can be your match heading into the the Rumble. Like that, that it just storyline makes so much more sense than what we've got. And this match would have been great. And imagine if it was a WWF title match, it would have been probably one of the better WWF title matches of the year on pay-per-view because it's not been a stellar year. Um, Yeah, I I liked everything about this. It was really good. It wasn't too long. Um, They they got it all right and gave us a good match. Moving on, we have the Intercontinental title match with China defending against Chris Jericho in a rematch from Survivor Series last month. China has Miss Kitty, uh, with more clothes on than earlier, uh, in her corner. China jumps into start and avoids a charge in the corner, sending Jericho crashing out to the floor. That means a running clothesline off the apron, but Jericho drops her face first across the barricade. 
Lawler seems to pull China out of the way of a chair shot, and China then drop kicks the chair into Jericho's face. They're certainly not wasting any time getting into big spots here. Jericho sends China into the steps before they head back inside the ring, with Jericho diving into a low blow, only to get China tied in the ropes. That allows Jericho to go after China's bad thumb, which apparently wasn't important enough to mention until now. A vertical suplex uh, sets up um, a cover for two, and it's time to take off a turnbuckle pad. China hits a crossbody for, uh, for two of her own, only to get caught in a bulldog. Um, the lion salt allows China to get her knees up as the crowd quickly go quiet here, which was interesting because I thought well, there was enough action here, but yeah, quite flat. Um, back up, China counters a hurricane runner into a powerbomb, followed by a catapult into the exposed buckle. She goes for the pedigree, but is countered into a backslide for two. Uh, then they head up top. Jericho tries a belly-to-back suplex and connects, which I and I think it was meant to be reversed into a crossbody. Um, kind of wound up China just landing on him. Um, looked a bit messy. Uh, they're back up. China tries a sunset flip, but this gets reversed into the walls of Jericho, which is enough for the submission win. Chris Jericho wins his first Intercontinental title. What did you make of our Intercontinental title match and Jericho, our new champion? Well, I thought it was sort of tough to follow the, the cage match, but I think they did a, a pretty good job. Um, if I was being honest, I thought going into this that China will probably retain being the sort of injured sort of underdog. But um, yeah, surprise actually went with Jericho getting the sort of clean-ish win with the, with the submission. Happy that Jericho is the champion, certainly. But yeah, actually kind of somewhat surprised that, that they actually went went with him. Um, yeah, pretty good sort of throughout. Yeah, I got the, the point with the crowd sort of dying off halfway through for no real reason, even though they did seem to be quite behind China for most most of the match. And then so we'll go to that bit of post-match that you will cover with them, sort of the bit of mutual respect coming in. Interesting sort of move, but um, actually wouldn't mind seeing these two have another match again. Yeah, um, so yeah, backstage after the match, Jericho's bragging about his win. China comes in, congratulates him, shakes his hand. Jericho isn't sure what to do over that sporting display from China. He's expecting her to attack. She doesn't. She just shakes his hand and congratulates him. Um, the more I, I know, I know this isn't necessarily a popular opinion, but the more I watch China wrestle, that sometimes I feel like the less impressed I am with her because I feel like. She's definitely good enough to have these matches with m- most of the men, but as the novelty wears off, you, I, I, I notice more. I, I, I notice more roughness around the edges. I notice more sloppiness. Uh, maybe it's just ex- the, the experience she needs, because obviously she hasn't been having these matches for that long. But I'd like to see better from her because. This match was was okay, but it was very sloppy in places and, and was obviously very heavily carried by Jericho. Um, I don't know. I feel like every time I watch a China match, I the sort of the earlier ones with with Jarrett a few months ago, like when there was sloppiness, I excused it more. But now we're however yes. long down the line, and as the novelty of China wrestling the men and 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 looking good and having some good high spots and 
that fades the impact that the sloppiness has which hasn't started to subside at all really if anything it's been ever it's it's it's, maybe it's not got worse but it's certainly not got any better um the sloppy side of of china wrestling um and i i would i definitely agree that i'd be up for watching these two have another match because i think jericho uh, there is some chemistry there and they are able to do some cool spots with each other and i think jericho can carry china to a very good match and probably a match better than the two we've seen so far um but i just like to see a little bit more out of china yeah well maybe with this sort of respect sort of angle and maybe with jericho not having to be the quote-unquote sort of evil heel that he is betraying at the moment it's kind of almost sort of crowbar taking over from from double j uh when before he left with this sort of misogyny angle but now if they go towards a more of a mutual respect let's have one more more match as sort of both with jericho more of a sort of between rather than the, the heel maybe maybe that way that there's a good way they can story tell that makes the match a bit better and then sort of less less sloppy but who knows there's i think i think there's something something in those having another match that we can possibly get more out of, but say yeah, maybe China just needs to slow down a bit more. Maybe Jericho does too. Who knows? I think it would benefit China. Like maybe if this storyline, so we've got the, the, the sporting aspect now with China being very magnanimous after a defeat, losing the belt to Jericho, Jericho taken off guard by this. Maybe they do have one more match. Maybe not. Um, but if you could tell the story, and I, I don't think it would be too hard that you end up with these two being a tag team, That'd be something I'd be interested in seeing. And maybe that would be something that would be good for China because she could work with different guys more frequently. Obviously, there's four people involved in the tag team match rather than just the two in singles. Um, And obviously, she's in and out of the ring. So she's got sort of breathing space and a bit more time. But she can be involved in matches consistently with a variety of people. And obviously, Jericho would be a great partner for her. So maybe that's a way that they could take this story eventually sort of longer term, because obviously Jericho's now got the Intercontinental title. It very much depends how that reign goes and what they do with him from here. But that's something I'd probably be interested in seeing because it gives China the opportunity to continue to develop and maybe fine tune some of the sloppier, um, shakier sides of her wrestling. But um, in a tag match, it's easier to hide those. And maybe that is a logical way for the story between these two to, to come to an end eventually. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good shout. Don't see why. Don't see why not. I mean, there's not really much that can be that would be lost from it. I mean, yeah, you, I suppose you could argue that with Jericho being the champ, the Intercontinental Champion, does he really need to be in a tag team with with China? But I don't know. Like I say, maybe that title reign doesn't last long. Maybe he drops it quite soon, and then there's a sort of a well we're not we keep on sort of feuding with each other why not sort of tag up maybe we can get something done them versus sort of all the tag teams we've kind of talked about already today could could be something interesting i mean china's already worked with the outlaws um back at sort of in singles matches in king of the ring and sort of around that sort of time those those four in a match could be quite good yeah and i think i mean when you think about the combination so that obviously you've got those two and, and the outlaws would be quite good um i think the hollies would 
would be worth a watch. Obviously, you've got the Dudleys, Edge and Christian, and the Hardys. And then even the Acolytes, I think, would be quite a good match. I'd like to see China up against uh, Bradshaw and Farouk. I think that'd be worth watching. Be um, interesting, certainly. Yeah, uh, it would be interesting to see how uh, they handled that one in particular. But yeah, I think maybe we've had this singles run here with China. I would say it's overall been a success, and she has for the most part, held her own. Maybe she hasn't steadily improved at the rate I would have liked, or maybe I am just being too harsh. But I think the next logical step, whether it's with Jericho or not, but I think if you put her into a tag team that allows her to keep developing, but also doesn't take the spotlight off her because she could still be a very featured performer and wrestle as as much as you like in that tag division. But she it takes a spotlight of her in the sense that any deficiencies, any weaknesses, any sloppiness um, is hidden by the fact that you've got a tag partner there to do some of the load carrying for you. Um, So that's probably something that I'd like to see in the early part of next year. So next up, we have our WWF tag team title match with the new age outlaws defending their belts against the rock and sock connection. We're underway and Rhodey tries a few cheap shots to start but gets punched in a jaw for his effort. Mankind grabs a headlock and the chance are loudly for the rock and sock connection. A leg drop gets two on dog and we hit a chin lock. The announcers recap the issues between Mankind and Al Snow. It's off to uh, Billy Gunn for two off a face plant so Mankind points to the rock who eventually comes in to a huge pop. We have a stare down so Billy can take his shirt off, which allows Rock to punch the hell out of him. Even King thought that was a bad idea. Um, It's quickly back to Mankind versus Rhodey with a shake, rattle and roll being countered into a mandible claw. Everything breaks down and it's uh, Rock and Billy who head out into the crowd. The Rock catches a charge and sends Billy back over the barricade, uh, followed by some elbows to the ribs back inside. Uh, Billy runs him over and the uh, slow beatdown begins. Right hands and some weak looking stomps have the rock in trouble. And, but a clothesline out of the corner uh, takes Rhodey down. Uh, there's no tag though as Rhodey comes back with a big boot of all things to cut rock down again. Billy's in and he grabs a sleeper. Uh, but the rock comes back eventually and hits a float over DDT. The hot tag brings in Mankind and the Outlaws are sent into each other. Naturally, we get the standard ref bump and everything breaks down again. The Mandible Claw goes on Rhodey, but here's Hal Snow to hit Mankind with head. The Rock makes the save and beats Snow up, leaving Gun to hit Mankind with the ring bell, which only gets two. Uh, I would have uh, bet on that being the finish and it got quite the reaction from the crowd. Uh, Billy's pile driver gets two more as the rock is back on the apron. Mankind sends the outlaws into each other again and the rock gets a hot tag only for Al Snow to attack as he hits the rock after, sorry, the rock hits a rock bottom that causes the DQ and brings the match to an end. The winners are the rock and sock connection, but the outlaws retain those all important tag team titles. What did you make of this? Uh, yeah, really good match. I mean, with with those four in, it's hard hard to get hard to get a bad one. Um, yeah, really good th- throughout. Um, 
kind of with you there. I kind of thought the ending would be when it what when sort of you mentioned with the with the bell shot, also with um also interfering. I, I my prediction sort of before the match I would be that X Pac would interfere, or someone would interfere, and yep, there we go. There, there was there was Al Snow. And uh, but yeah, it's a weird one. They could have finished it sort of a couple of minutes sooner, but then they decided to have Al Snow interfere twice rather than just interfere when he did initially either get the DQ then or is that the way to get uh, one of the outlaws to pin pin Mankind? I guess they didn't want to have Rock or, or Mankind pin get pinned. So that's why they went with this way of booking it. But yeah, kind of good match. But I think, yeah, could have could have been over quicker. The finish was a little bit sort of disjointed, I thought, in the end. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I was quite as high on this match as you were. I, I, I think the crowd weren't as hot as you'd expect or hope for a match that features The Rock. And I think there was a lot of stalling and killing time. And it was one of those matches where you know um, the, the, the guys involved, they know what the finish is. They know they've got a crap DQ finish on a pay-per-view. So they aren't going to bother um, going above and beyond for a match that is guaranteed a flat finish. Um, it felt a little bit phoned in in places. Um, they played to the crowd as some big for some big spots, but aside from that, um, I think it was a lot of, a more more cheap pop spots than than genuinely good wrestling. Um, and with the teams involved, um, whatever you say about. Billy Gunn and Road Dogg as singles performers, they're, they're a good tag team. And obviously you've got Rock and Mankind. I would have expected more out of this match, especially considering the time it was given, than we got. Um, finish aside, uh, I mean, the, the guys in the ring can't help what the finish is booked to be. If the finish is, is bad, it's not really their fault. They can still deliver in-ring work rate. And, and maybe I thought it was a notch or two below what I had hoped but it wasn't a bad match by any means just uh maybe my expectations were amiss rather than anything wrong in particular with the match <laughs> but i would have expected um a little bit more for this one moving on and we have our wwf championship match and no it's not kane uh, with the big show <laughs> defending his title against the big boss man uh Show charges into the ring and destroys Boss Man immediately. They brawl outside where uh, Albert cheat shots uh, Big Show, which earns him a chokeslam through the Spanish announcer's table. Boss Man gets a cheap shot in with the steps to slow Big Show down and posts him for good measure. Boss Man lifts Big Show back inside the ring where Big Show actually does a kip up, which was pretty cool. Uh, a big boot and a chokeslam follow. Where Big Show, so Big Show retains the title in little over three minutes. That was our WWF title match on a pay-per-view. Three minutes, Big Show, Boss Man. <sighs> what do you make of it? If it wasn't a WWF title match, I think we both probably would be, would be a bit sort of more positive about it because you'd want to see Big Show sort of end the feud in a sort of a big statement, quick win onto feuding with whoever's next. Unfortunately, it was the title match, so so there's like, if that's what we're getting for a title match, it was poor. I like Boss Man, I like Big Show, but this didn't need to. This could have been the opening opening match or anything other than the title match, really. 
my only sort of highlight really was at the before the match started we had the replay of the big boss man's poem in the um promo sort of mat, uh video so that was always good to hear again but kind of glad the feud's over hopefully the big show can find a better opponent i'm guessing we're moving towards him uh versus triple h hopefully those ma- their matches will be will be better maybe elevate the title once more but yeah i say why was this a title match who knows yeah, I mean, given the story and the circumstances, it's pretty much the only way the match should have gone. But it was pretty much nothing. And I, I'd say, even though it was just a three-minute squash, Bossman almost got too much offence in here. <laughs> like, he, he didn't need to to have any, really. It could have just been pure Big Show dominance. And, I mean, the, the only reason to have someone like the Bossman in a WWF title match at this stage of the game is is for pretty much a squash match. And it's, it's, it's like you say, maybe I wouldn't have been quite so frustrated by this match if this was just a mid-card match somewhere earlier on the show and we'd had a great WWF title cage match between Kane and X-Pac because this this would have been the finish and the blow-off of the um, big show boss man feud regardless of whether the title was involved it doesn't make storyline sense for the title to be involved it never did um and i just so against the whole thing because they had such a logical better option in kane on the show and they just ignored it and now we have this but oh well yeah as you say um obviously uh he's set to face Triple H later in the month and hopefully we'll get more out of Big Show uh, when we get to that so it is time for our main event of the evening a no holds barred falls count anywhere match between Triple H and his father-in-law Vince McMahon (laughs) with the stipulation that if Hunter wins he is guaranteed a shot at the WWF title and if Vince wins the Hunter-Stephanie marriage will be annulled we're underway and Vince throws powder uh, near Triple H's eyes <laughs> to start and hammers in the corner to get us started. Uh, the first low blow sends Triple H outside and over the announcer's table, followed by a whip into the steps. They head through the crowd with Hunter whipping him into a metal door and they eventually come back to ringside uh, as the pooling continues. Vince takes over with a few shots of his own and his mankind. He's got a shopping cart full of weapons. Uh, Vince takes a shot from a trash can lid as Hunter takes a breather to wash the powder out of his eyes. Uh, We have some more trash can lid shots, uh, which this time put uh, Hunter down and uh, right in front of Stephanie. Um, Hunter then comes back and takes control. He sends Vince headfirst into the steps um, and a low blow keeps Vince down again. The brawling continues down the aisle. Hunter goes low again, goes back to get a trash can, which he uses to threaten some fans. Vince comes back and puts the can over Triple H's head uh, and hits some hard right hands. Vince swings a wrench, but uh, misses and instead himself goes goes down himself. They're back up on the stage by the set and Triple H swings a machine gun around to smack Vince in the back of the head. Quite an amusing spot, that one. Uh, 
It's time for more punching and stumbling around, and this one just keeps going. Vince gets thrown into a door, which opens as a result. JR says it's because the force knocked it open, um, to which King replies, no, someone's raising it. Triple H throws him onto the hood of the truck, but then disappears. Eventually, Vince gets up and goes outside where we play Hunt the Game for a little while. Triple H then tries to uh, run Vince McMahon down, uh, but Vince hops up onto a fence to avoid it. This was one of the stupidest attempts at running someone over imaginable because Hunter legitimately honked the horn as he approached. More walking around in shoes uh, until Hunter sends him headfirst into the front of a truck a slam and an elbow drop on top of a limo are enough to take it back inside where vince goes face first into a snack machine they're inside the arena again and uh, they climb up part of the set hunter slams vince's head into a pole and vince falls he takes a huge bump off the set to the floor jr calls it 30 feet in the air which it may be slight exaggeration with Vince down, Triple H asks Steph how it feels to watch his daddy take a beating like this, and he'll he'll be her daddy now. Uh, but he has to stop uh, taunting her to hit a mic shot to Vince's head. Hunter then holds Vince in front of Stephanie before they head back in the ring. Triple H throws the referee down before grabbing the sledgehammer he made his entrance with. Vince goes low to cut Triple H down before hitting a wrench shot. Vince grabs the hammer, but Stephanie jumps the barricade because she wants to do it. She takes too long, though, and Hunter takes advantage to getting the hammer, and after two hammer shots, knocks Vince out cold for the pin. Triple H is our winner, and we'll be getting a shot at the WWF title. So we'll talk about what happens after the match in a second, but first, uh, what did you uh, make of the main event itself? Long. Long's the first word I sort of had. It was what give or, give or take half an hour, and at times it didn't feel it. It was kind of good action considering Vince's limited ring ability. They, the, I thought some of the walk and brawl stuff was good, made sense. Vince would want to be battering Triple H all around the arena rather than being in the ring. But there was a lot of time spent, like the hunt, the outside looking for Triple H, and then the yeah the running over or car spot just t- took way too long i thought could have easily sort of trimmed that down a bit but i guess vince wants to put this over as much as he can as a, a big long story so that's what we got so the action itself was fine really good i think that machine gun spot i probably rewound three or four times it was just too funny not to watch more just once but yeah it it didn't go on it, it did go on way too long for me i think easily could have been 10 minutes shorter Maybe add time to other matches as we talked about earlier. But yeah, considering Vince's sort of limited ring sort of awareness, Triple H did well to sort of pull him all the way through it, I thought. And yeah, on to, on to the aftermath, I guess. Yeah, I think you're right to, f- to highlight the timing because it, it did really hurt this, just so I have 30 minutes. But for what those 30 minutes were they did tell a consistent and solid story um vince refused to stay down and uh, fought valiantly it made sense he's the man fighting effectively for his family um if we forget that he was allowing steph to be sacrificed at a demonic wedding just six months ago um that's okay uh but in the end um it's vince mcmahon and the other guy's triple h 
like that's how you'd expect it to go like triple h triple h will win that's that's what you'd expect and what you'd want from that it did need a lot of time cut but as you rightly point out considering vince mcmahon's background and in-ring experience this was better than i expected it to be um despite the length um i did expect it to be a lot worse than this i expected it to be messier than this not as coherent and quite frankly a lot more boring and it it wasn't really any of those things um the the big criticism is just the the length of the match but the actual match itself on the most part was surprisingly good so on to that post-match angle uh triple h he turns and threatens to hit stephanie with the sledgehammer he stops uh then she smirks and they embrace. It was all a clever ruse. Hunter and Stephanie have actually been aligned this whole time. And Armageddon goes off the air with the pair celebrating and the beginning of the McMahon-Helmsley era. So, what did you make of the closing angle to the show and uh, sort of the alignment of these two characters? Stephanie's actually been on Triple H's side all along. Watching the end of Armageddon, I I didn't call it. I couldn't. I didn't think that was going to happen. I thought, I don't know. I I don't think I could have seen Triple H actually hitting Stephanie with, with it. Maybe just sort of threatening to do, then sort of laughing and leaving, leaving Steph to care for Vince. But then we got the the sort of announcement the night after saying that Steph was in it all along, and it makes perfect sense. And yeah, Steph's promo is really good. Again, someone who's not had much experience on the, on the mic delivered it really well. Perfect sort of um, bringing up the the kidnapping and all that stuff. It's great callback, and I mean, hindsight's great just to say that did they plan this all along? I don't think they did, but they've worked it. They've got to that point really, really well. And yes, yeah, Stephanie in charge. It's really, really good. She's not. It's not like she's just. Um, smitten with Triple H and and he's running the show. Steph like really is the boss, and it's it's something to look for. It's been something to sort of look forward to see how they move on throughout the next few weeks, months, however long this lasts. Yeah, I, I think um, this is a, a great story, a good a good turn. Um, um, Stephanie only ever really been seen to us as this very innocent character i mean she'd only really debuted earlier in the year um who like and and had always been on the receiving end of bad bad treatment and been this like very innocent sweet baby face and uh and now she's siding with the big bad guy who just massacred her dad um i have to admit like I don't know if she has the the acting chops to be this convincing heel. Um, I, at the best of times, she's she's not being she's she's been quite poor acting wise uh, on screen. So it remains to be seen: can Stephanie McMahon convincingly pull off this new heel role? But on this night, the first night, the, the first night of this new heel role, and perhaps the most important night, um, she certainly did. Um, it, and yeah, uh, with the context of TV and stuff, the following night they add they add more layers to it and make it make more sense. But I thought this was a good twist, and um, one of the few times this year a pay per view's gone off the air, and I've been 
like pleasantly surprised by what I've seen. And I think even though the main event was 30 minutes and a lot of it was like Vince McMahon in a walking brawl, um, the the pay per view going off with this main event and this this angle after the main event. Um, probably I look back on my viewing experience more positively because of the uh, because of the main event and considering it was Vince McMahon in a no holds bars match that's quite some feat. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, it's I say it's one of the first times sort of this year that finishing uh, finishing watching I'm getting I was instantly going oh want to see how Raw starts want to see how how what the fallout is which we haven't really had most of the year. But um, but yeah, I think um, you sort of mentioned that Steph's acting hasn't been the best or even any good at all, really, sort of. But yeah, but I think I think her sort of promo on Raw to Vince is the start of something good. I think I think here Steph's oddly something that she seems quite natural to. Maybe she's just been watching a lot of Vince tapes over the past couple of years and has gleaned something from him. So, uh, moving on from our review of the show, uh, we'll do some overall thoughts on Armageddon as a whole and a score rating out of 10. Okay, so um, yeah, my thoughts on Armageddon as a whole, I'll say quite easy to watch all the way through. Um, anything bad didn't last long enough to be awful, but then sometimes the things that were good also didn't sort of last long enough to be great. I think um, Kane and Xbox could have gone on, could have been, could have been even better than it was if it was given a bit more time. And yeah, as we sort of mentioned, had it been a title match, but I think the last sort of few matches, the cage match, the and the Intercontinental Tag title match were good. Trude H McMahon, yes, I said it was long, but really good. Um, overall, uh, out of out of ten, I'd probably sort of say sort of six maybe even seven so yeah pretty good enough enough to sort of watch again but maybe i won't watch the whole thing start to finish yeah i think there was a serious lack of good wrestling on the undercard which judging when judging a wrestling show i think is quite important um but then again the whole show was built around a main event and if you've if you have bought the pay-per-view armageddon you are exclusively doing so to watch the Triple H Vince McMahon match. That is what the pay-per-view was being sold on. And that match over-delivered in terms of being satisfying to watch, despite the going at least 10 minutes too long. But it was satisfying to watch, giving us a satisfying conclusion and a great turn and a, a good twist at the end. So... If you've bought this pay-per-view, it will be because of that match, and that match has has delivered. So I can't really, in all good faith, give this less than a five because the the main selling point has over-delivered for me. Um, I'll give it at least another point for the X-Pac Kane cage match, which I thought was really good. But then I don't think I'd go any further than that because... Obviously, the women's match is a big negative. Uh, it was a shame that we had some really good work rate guys uh, in the in a battle royal in the opener, where we didn't get um, to see much wrestling out of uh, individuals uh, due to the nature of the match. 
Um, obviously, I, the Intercontinental title match was okay. I think I'd be comfortable giving this a 6 out of 10, which, to be fair, probably makes it one of the better WWF shows of this year, um, which which is saying something for 1999. Roll on the year 2000. That's all I've got to say about that. Vince McMahon's a bloody mess, but he's armed with a steel pipe, and Helsley is backpedaling. McMahon will take Helsley's head off. This thing will be over. The match will be over. Look at his Helsley sledgehammer. Wait a minute. That's Triple H's sledgehammer. Helsley is a trapped rat in a corner. McMahon is going to hit. Wait a minute. There's Stephanie. Stephanie's stopping her dad. Wait a minute. She wants to hit him. She wants to. I think you're right. Stephanie's going to hit Helsley. Oh, my God. This, this is what? Is this spousal abuse? Hit him. That's can't do it. Oh, no. Oh, oh my. The sledgehammer. Right deep in the abdomen. Come on, no. I don't know. Oh, Jeez. Helsley almost took McMahon's head off with a sledgehammer. Stephanie didn't have the heart to use a sledgehammer on Triple H. There's the cover. Yeah. And Triple H has fought this bloodbath. My God, how much more can you ask of the 53-year-old owner of this company? McMahon has been busted open from ear to ear. Triple H just used a sledgehammer on his father-in-law. And unfortunately for Stephanie, oh, hey, God almighty, don't you do that! You son of a bitch, don't What's you hit doing? her! Don't you hit her! Damn it, he's gonna hit Stephanie! What kind of human being is he? For God's sakes! What kind of man could he be? Stephanie McMahon, having to watch this. So a couple of things for us to discuss before we wrap up the show for this month and for this year. Um, first, let's go through what we saw the following night on Raw. Vince, he arrived at the building with a sledgehammer in hand. He ignored uh, pleas of sensibility from Shane. Uh, Vince came out calling out Triple H, calling him a coward. And I am quoting here a rapist. Instead, Stephanie came down the ramp. She dared her brother, her father to attack her and saying uh, the only way she Vince would get to her husband would be through Steph. She said that she wasn't daddy's little girl anymore um, and that 
Vince was at the best at she'd learned from the best at le- learning to make business personal, citing her abduction at the hands of the Undertaker as an example. She said that marrying Triple H was the best way to get back at Vince. And she also said this again is a quote um, that Hunter really turns her on. Triple H made his way out to the ring and made out with uh, making Vince watch him and Stephanie kiss. Uh, after that point, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon took over the show. Uh, Vince and Shane left the arena in their limo and uh, Triple H booked matches for the rest of the night. As a result the of uh, Triple H and Stephanie's takeover of Raw and SmackDown for the rest of the month, what is known as the McMahon Helmsley era was born. Triple H, uh, Stephanie continued um, making matches of their just on their own on whim basically uh, pretty much consistently in favor of dx this continued for the rest of that raw uh, on to smackdown and also the following raw on the 20th uh, consistently booking um baby faces in difficult spots and uh doing things that favored them personally uh so daniel what did you make of the way Hunter Stephanie now running WWF TV coming off Armageddon and also touching on the Stephanie promo on the 13th. I, I thought I think it's really good. I mean, it's been a little while since we had um, sort of a, a heel running the show with, with Vince being face for the past few, few months. But it's also different to how um, Mr. McMahon was, was running. They're sort of more... They're not just focused on getting Austin, or in this case, getting Mankind or or The Rock. They're, they're, their focus has been on the whole card. They've just taken over everything, which is kind of kind of cool. It, really, I thought put in my notes. Maybe this is a bit of a of a stretch, but I thought this now sort of DX seem more closely aligned with how the NWO were with Eric Bischoff. Now they've got someone sort of in power at the at the helm, rather than just them being. Uh, a faction who was trying to try and run the show but didn't have any sort of strength to do so now they've got the backing of of stephanie so now they they can book matches however they want and do really do whatever they want so looking forward to sort of how that plays out and like i say yeah as I mentioned earlier steph's, steph's promo was sort of really 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 good considering this is sort of one of her sort of first few times on the mic that come out of coming out sort of kind of fresh and out of nowhere putting Vince in his place and then Vince sort of seemingly leaving I haven't really seen him since not sure if this is him off TV for a long term or if he'll be back beginning of January don't really know they've not really sort of said where Vince is going to be but definitely looking forward to to how this goes and what kind of the if there's going to be a, a face faction to to face uh, the McMahon Helms era who knows yeah, I think um, Stephanie l- delivered a really good promo on the 13th. And I think, um, obviously, we'll touch on sort of what happened on the final Raw of the Month and how that pertained to Mick Foley. But generally speaking, um, it, it can get old quickly when a heel's running TV and the odds are consistently, consistently, consistently stacked against the babyface. But this could lead to some really logical... Um, storytelling as we roll around into Royal Rumble and WrestleMania season again and you can have uh The Rock as one of these downtrodden baby faces coming uh, I, like um I assume 
that by the Rumble at the very latest, Hunter will be WWF champion. He obviously has a title match on the 27th, but doesn't win the belt there. Um, and it would make sense if one of the downtrodden babyfaces won the Rumble, in the, in this case, The Rock, and you do that match as the main event at WrestleMania, it would probably be the biggest match they can do, uh, assuming that uh, Austin is out for the foreseeable future. And even then, if he, if if Austin does come back, um, I wouldn't necessarily usurp The Rock. I think that'd be a good place where you'd you'd book that main event into a Survivor Series freeway. The match we didn't get last month, you'd book for Mania. But um, before we get to that, um, we do need to talk about uh, Mick Foley and what happened on the final Rock uh, final Raw of the year. Triple H forcing Mankind to wrestle. Um, his rock and sock connection partner in a match uh the loser must leave the wwf it was a pink slip on a pole match um mankind had been uh interfering with uh hunter's plans the previous week on smackdown i think he faced was it five or six santas the last one was <laughs> yeah was, was triple h himself who put the beating on mankind so um and both men rock and mankind had attacked dx on the show when so hunter booked this match as revenge uh, so both men did make countless attempts for the pink slip um but al snow uh ran in and he laid out the rock but mick refused to win that way so the contest continued on and the people's champ the rock he picked up the win apparently ending the career of mankind in the wwf after the match mankind addressed the crowd and gave a heartfelt retirement speech What's this now? This makes me sick. Physically sick over You're this. You're not fired. Sam. Last time that mankind will ever be in a WWF ring. Well, there's never any shame in losing to The Rock. But there sure as hell is shame in the way it came about. Not a very good secret, but Mick Foley was planning on calling it quits sometime in the year 2000. But by my calculation, it's still 1999. And I think that just what just happened kind of sucks. Me too, Mick. <laughs> so, without bragging, I think I've given America and the world a hell of a lot to remember me by. Sure have, buddy. Mick's getting a little emotional. Okay, okay. Sometime when you're a little bored, take out a Mick Foley tape. Whether it be Mankind or Cactus Jack. And you put that bad boy in your VCR. And remember that I loved every minute of the last 15 years. Wow, remember when he fell off that cage? Joe, <laughs> come on already. Right, do me a favor. Don't play this match. Because what happened tonight at the hands of DX is a farce. Everybody, have a nice day. Okay. 
this is a this is a shame. And this man deserves what he's getting right now, and that's a standing ovation. A standing ovation. Danny Glover can't stand up to their respect for goddess. They're all standing here. Okay, okay. Out of boy, Mick. God bless Mick Foley. Mankind would later get a measure of revenge against Hunter. Um, he had booked himself to face the big show for the WWF title in the main event, but Mick Foley interfered, hitting Triple H um, with a chair and securing the win for the big show. So we've had rumours about a potential Mick Foley retirement for a long term, uh, for a long time now. Sorry, uh, it's been confirmed, backed up, and uh, reiterated by the man himself. Do you think this is what? this was or will we just see him back next month maybe in the rumble maybe it'll be one of those things where we have the retirement of mankind but then one of another face of foley returns in his place it does seem like it would be a good place to write him off for a few months and potentially come back with for one last program with hunter um but i assume that hunter will be tied up until mania with the rock that would be obviously what i've touched on as my logical main event for WrestleMania, if that is the case, then could this be the end of Mick Foley, like for the foreseeable future, at least until WrestleMania, or or do you think is more of a short-term angle and he'll be back before we know it? It's tough. I th- I think I think both both arguments are are really correct in a, in a, in, a, in a weird way. Yes, Mick could be back next week as and as they'll figure some way of suggesting why he's back. But um, I, I think it'd be good if he wasn't, if he wasn't here for a while, I mean, but both to him to heal up maybe, and, and then sort of absence makes the heart grow fonder. Maybe yeah, having come back towards mania. But as you say, I think yeah, rock triple H seems to be the sort of pretty much the, the logical step for, for the road to WrestleMania and then that match at the, at that main event. So maybe he doesn't come until after then, but then, is three months possibly too long for him to be away? I don't know. If he's then thinking about retirement, does he want to wait that long to come back? Tony then be back for a couple more months? Who knows? And um, I watched the the SmackDown, uh, the last sort of SmackDown of the year with his interview with JR, and he's he mentioned the fact that his one last thing he wants to do is is main event mania. So maybe they're going to try and work that into an angle that yeah, as you sort of brought up. Could it be that he's in he he turns up in the rumble as yen as Cactus Jack or as maybe just Nick Foley on his own saying that yes mankind's uh, retired and been fired but not Mick Foley himself surprise Royal Rumble win maybe he, that's maybe he goes to Mania that way and Rock Triple H is pushed uh, pushed early and we have that for for No Way Out or something I don't know and then. They bring back Rock Triple H after after Mania after Mick Foley's had his main event and then we carry on the rest of the year that way. Who knows how they're going to do it? But um, yeah, I think if Mick comes back too soon, then I don't know how they're going to fit that in with with Triple H and a Big Show and when that match is going to happen. Maybe it'd be a bit of a rush job. Who knows? Yeah, I mean we've both touched on it. Um already uh, but sort of the final question for the month really is looking ahead to the year 2000 so if you well if you if you if you had the book 
who would win the Royal Rumble next month and what would the main event of WrestleMania be? But then, what do you actually think? Uh, the, the, who do you actually think will win the Royal Rumble and what will be the main event of WrestleMania? I think it's safe, let's say, assuming that Austin is, is out of the equation. Yeah, let, let, let's say Austin's out and let's say Undertaker isn't isn't back soon either let's just let's take those two out of the equation yeah um who wins the rumble i mean it's it's hard to look past it's hard to look past the rock unless unless it's mick unless it isn't going to be mick Foley coming back in some sort of way because if i mean this is sort of the prediction that maybe at rumble triple h does win guess wins the belt off big show so that way you've got the heel champion so you need a, a face winning the rumble really and well who outside the rock and mankind could it really be unless you're going to elevate someone out of nowhere but rumble doesn't really seem to be the the place that it seems to be that the rumble's going to be someone you kind of push the person you already knew was going to be the the main guy i guess so yeah i think if i, if I was booking it you'd probably stick to sort of Keep keep it sort of not necessarily keep it safe, but keep it keep it with what the fans kind of almost expect in a way, because sometimes it being predictable is kind of a good thing. And yeah, Rock wins the Rumble, Rock Triple H at, at Mania, or maybe they switch it around sooner so Mick Foley still gets his main event. I don't know, maybe maybe make it a triple threat. I don't I don't know, but um, yeah, it's it's hard hard to say because you've got both. Mick Foley and The Rock are like the two sort of main faces. The Rock clearly on a on a hot streak. Mankind's maybe sore for maybe for the, the sentimental value. It's it's going to be a coin toss between those two, but either way, one of those two is going to be facing Triple H at Mania. I think I think he once Triple H gets the belt, that's his for for the foreseeable until Mania, I guess. Yeah, I I think he's got. It, I think the most logical would be having The Rock versus Hunter and having The Rock win the title again at, at WrestleMania would be the most logical thing to do. Um, you could definitely do Mick Foley if he thinks he's got enough in him for one last big run. Um, and, but then it's not often that, or is it, is it ever that you, you would have someone defeat like the the he'll win at WrestleMania, so I assume Foley's not going to have another run with the belt if he's this near to retiring. Um, so do you have Hunter go over? I think if it was me, I'd probably do Rock versus Hunter, and then where you go from there is it remains to be seen. And if if Mankind's got enough in the tank, bring him back and do uh, Hunter versus Mick Foley coming out of WrestleMania. I think that's the most logical way to go, but one yeah, guy. Yeah, that would work. Yeah, because then you could have Rock versus whomever really as the as through the summer as the general like heel of the month almost, or work some storyline, maybe create a new heel. I don't know. Um, be too early for for someone like Angle, but um, but I mean maybe maybe Jericho gets gets pushed up and Rock versus Jericho through the summer might be an interesting view. Jericho sort of going back to he sort of as we've left it leaning away from the being a heel, but maybe notches it back up again. Rock Jericho during the summer might be good if then you have Triple H and Mick sort of as the semi main event 
having sort of a grudge match kind of feud through the summer that way that would work i think yeah i think that that would work and uh, again another guy we haven't really spoken about which i think just speaks volumes about how this title run is working is the big show like he ends the month he's gone into the year 2000 um as the uh wwf champion and neither of us really want or imagine a scenario in which he would be anywhere near that main event at wrestlemania and i think that speaks volumes about how this title run has worked with him as a babyface, and maybe you could turn him heel again <laughs> because that's what he needs another turn um but i, I think um yeah i he, he he shouldn't be anywhere near that spot um at the moment he just doesn't have the uh he hasn't delivered in any way that justifies it i would say but well, yeah you're right i mean i think the reason we haven't been talking about him because is because we neither us think he should be there and i think and we haven't mentioned kane but i mean if kane was the was the champion as we've sort of kind of thought about during this episode um yeah maybe we'll be talking about kane more and having him still in the main event rather than if with as we've got it big show is the is the champion but neither are seeing there and i don't think he will be there so yeah after after he let, yeah i'm gonna go to the prediction that he loses the title to sort of at, at, the, at the rumble to, to hunter and then after that i think he just sort of steadily steadily falls back down the card feuding with maybe feuds with kane maybe feuds with who knows over next to nothing really just in generic matches like you've got the big show you kind of have to use him in a weird way but i mean doing what i don't really know and i think uh, that will do it for our wwf 1999 coverage and wrap up our december 99 uh, show daniel uh, thank you for uh, jumping over to the wwf side of things and uh, it's been great having you on thank you very much yeah glad to come over um looking i'm looking forward to to how this how the wf appears in the in the in the year 2000 maybe i can come along at some point during the year and provide more of my thoughts yeah i'm, I'm certain we'll have you on and uh, i'm sure uh, rory will be in touch our our big boss man will be in touch uh, very soon <laughs> yes. with uh, some schedules for the for the new year as we head on into the year 2000 um do you have any plugs would you like to plug your twitter or anything like that before we uh, wrap uh up or... yeah certainly so um my twitter is uh, at dsd247 um feel free to, to follow i generally sort of post random thoughts on on the wrestling product either either today or back in the day but um that's all from from me really apart from to say another big big thank you to to Rory and yourself for having me back and look forward to being on again soon. Excellent stuff. Right. And the, I have been your host, uh, Chris White. Uh, thank you very much for listening and for getting through what has been a tough year in the WWF. Uh, but maybe uh, my fellow co-host, uh, 
uh, Rory will probably have some take to umbrage with me complaining about the WWF product throughout 1999, as he has predominantly been on the WCW side of things. Um, but uh, you'll have to tune in for our end of year award show to to hear all our thoughts on the year in general between our three promotions. But it has been a tough year for the WWF, and I'm hoping the year 2000 can improve. Certainly, the pay-per-view quality has to improve, right? Thank you very much for listening. See you in the year 2000. Until next time, goodbye. Hey, Shano. How's it going, bro? What's happening? Put your hand in my face. Hey, that's not very nice. Yeah. You part of what you did? You only have one family. You part of what you did? Easy, you saw your father out there? there? You Easy. take it. You only have one family and you screwed that up. You have no idea. When you grow up, little girl, you'll finally figure out exactly what you did to your family. You guys make go. me sick. Hey, brothers, come on, give me a hug. Get out of my face. You just better get out of my face. Yeah, no family spirit at all. Yeah. It's the holidays, even. Man, I cannot believe what's going to happen when Vince McMahon arrives here tonight. Hell's going to break loose. Come on out. Come on out, you coward. Come on out, you rapist! Wow. Jeez. Man. What have you done to my family? What have you done to my daughter? Damn it, you better come out! I'm coming back Can out for you! Is this on? Oh my god. That's what he wanted. Stephanie McMahon. What are you going to do with that sledgehammer, Dad? What are you going to do with it? You want to bash Triple H's head in? You want to bash my brains in? Oh, don't ask. Of course he wouldn't do that, Dean. Little girl. Do it. What? Raise that hammer high above your head and in my brains. What is she saying? That's the only way you're going to get to Triple H. Because like it or not, we're married. Oh my God. Look! You see, Dad, it's always been about what you like, what you want. 
even at the expense of your own family. I did love Andrew, but I wasn't ready to get married. That's what, that's what you wanted. You hear that, JR? Yes, I do, King. This girl's breaking her daddy's heart. And you know what, Dad? I'm not daddy's little girl anymore. Look at that wild hair. I'm doing things my way, and it feels damn good. You know, I have to admit, I used to get butterflies when Triple H would look at me. I didn't want to. I didn't really mean to. But just the way he would stand up to you, he was so strong and, and powerful. And he outsmarted you by making business personal. And that's something you know all about, Dad, isn't it? Making business personal. Oh, oh, you look confused, like, like you don't remember. I guess it's been a long time. It's, it's been almost a year since you had me abducted. Uh-oh. Remember that, JR? Yes, I do. You had me locked in a rat-infested basement with no light. I thought no one was coming for me. You put me there. You put me there. Then you had someone rifle through all of my personal and private things in my bedroom. I didn't know what, what kind of person had, had been in, through all my private things. You made them do it. You did. But then the icing on the cake. You had me strapped to a symbol and carried down to this ring to be sacrificed to the undertaker in a wedding. You did it. I was sacrificed, all right, at my father's expense, simply so you could screw Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's all coming back to Vince now. But you know what, Daddy? Like I said a couple weeks ago on SmackDown, what goes around, comes around. You hurt me. And what's the best way that I could hurt you back? By marrying the man that you hate the most. My husband, Triple H. Hunter Hurst Helmsley. Wow, I can't believe this. Oh, oh, and by the way, Dad, just so you know, Triple H really turns me on. Oh. Oh. Now wait, wait a minute, Rob, we're not done here. I think Vince is done, look at his face. The man looks absolutely ill. And I can't blame him. And there's the game. 
Triple H who beat Vince McMahon at Armageddon in that no-holds-barred war. Triple H has earned a WWF title shot as a result of it, but that's not the story here. Vince, the one mistake I made last night was leaving you in a puddle of your own blood, unconscious, so you couldn't see the deal get sealed. So Vince, one more time, just for you. Let me put the sealer on it. I'm gonna seal it with a kiss. Uh-uh. Oh! And Vince McMahon is watching this. This is destroying Vince McMahon, his only daughter. That is the final stake through the heart of Vince McMahon. How can he stand that, JR? How can he look at that? I, I, I don't know.